This is Alex Ride. You're listening to Double Axe Handle Smash Podcast. Achtung, Achtung, hier ist Alex Ride. Und ihr hört jetzt den Double Axe Handle Smash Podcast. You're listening to Double Axe Handle Smash Podcast with your host, two guys you've never heard of. And now, the man who puts Deutsch in Deutsch bag, Metal Edge. And the man who does not have superpowers for many volcanoes in Hawaii, Johnny O. Willkommen jeder Zoom, Double Axe Handle Smash Podcast mit mir, Metal Ed, und wie immer. And I'm Johnny O. Uh, Why are you speaking like that? Well, because our guest is from Germany, and if you've been paying attention to German class, like I told you, I said, welcome everyone to Double Accidental Smash podcast with me, Metal Ed, and with me as always, and you said, and I'm Johnny O. Oh, well, uh, I didn't really know what you were saying. Not that, Nana. I didn't get the company memo. And what's that mean? Learn. I'm Learn, not learning. Do you need money to learn that stuff? Nine. Ich lerne kostenlos mit Duolingo. All right. For all our English-speaking listeners, um, not sure what he said, but uh, we're. I've been learning for free. I'm apologizing. Why are you apologizing? Because in case they turned it off. Turned what off? The podcast. Why would they turn it off? Well, Every, I'm giving free German lessons right now. Hmm. John, wie geht's es Ihnen? How are you? Pretty good. Yeah. Wunderbar. 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 Right. Which is wonderful. Wonderful, right? Wunderbar. Yeah. And then you said pretty good, which you probably meant very well, which is simply sehr gut. Sehr gut? Sehr gut. Sehr gut. No, don't roll the R's. This is in Spanish. Sehr gut. Sehr gut. Sehr gut. That's it. Sehr gut. Sehr gut. 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 There you good. go. Get that diction in there. All right. Alex Wright would be proud. All right. Speaking of Alex Wright, <laughs> guess who our guest is? Is it Das Wunderkind, Alex Wright? Yes, it is. All right. Very gracious guest. Very happy to have him on. Mm-hmm. He tells some very good stories. Und er kommt aus Deutschland. He comes from? Germany. Germany. Yeah, yeah. Deutschland. Deutschland. Yeah. Um, so we actually get to ask him, you know, why we haven't seen him in the United States in the last, what, 20 years? I just forgot to ask him a real pressing question. Why did he continue to shave his head bald? I need some pointers now that I've joined the bald community. I think you're doing pretty good, though. Yeah, every couple of days now, I just... Yeah, well, it still hasn't done anything about your face. So, before we get on with our interview, John, how was your trip to Maui Wowie? The only superpower I got from Hawaii is I can make alcohol disappear. I think I gained 10 pounds. The food over there that I ate was so good, but very expensive. Thankfully, my uncle and aunt uh, treated us to this vacation. But anyway, it was it was just so good. Um, lots of new stuff I tried, lots of things I've never had. We had fun. We saw a seal that comes up on the water and sea turtles. We saw sea turtles. I'm still saving up for mine. It's been six years. So I'm going to show off here just a little bit. Bear with me as I am still just learning. And here we go. 
Ihr findet uns auf Twitter und DAH underscore Smash. Wenn Sie uns folgen, folgen wir Ihnen zurück. Folge uns auf Facebook, Double Accent Smash. Sie können auf die Website dahsmash.com gehen. Wir sind auf allen auf den meisten Ihrer Lieblingsanbieter. Wir sind bei Apple Podcast. Wir auf Spotify. Wir sind, an, wir sind im iHeartRadio. Wir sind bei Google Podcast. Wir sind bei Stitcher. Wir sind auf dieser, wenn du ins Ausland hörst, in Besandre im Deutschland. Überall dort, wo Sie Ihren Lieblingspodcast bekommen, können Sie uns finden. Double Accenter Smash Podcast. So, our next guest, as we mentioned earlier, Sir Alex Wright, comes from Germany. And if I were to take a honeymoon, this is probably where I'd want to go. My wife, not so much. She wants to go to Ireland because she's Irish. And no, I'm not German. Before you ask, what I've always told you is the truth. Puerto Rican and Italian. I just find German a little easier to learn than Spanish. Don't know why. So probably because of the similar similarity in the language. I want to learn Japanese. Konnichiwa. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, das Wunderkind, Alex Wright. Welcome to Double Axe Handle Smash podcast. And our guest, das Wunderkind, Alex Wright. Say it right, please, man. It's das Wunderkind. You got to work on that. Willkommen, das Wunderkind, Herr Alex Wright. Wie geht es Ihnen? Achtung, Achtung, hier ist Alex Wright. Mir geht es gut. Also, wir machen das Interview jetzt in Deutsch, stimmt's? <laughs> mein Deutsch ist nicht so gut. Edwin, that was a test. You said you speak German. Now we're going to do the interview in English, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. That would be good, huh? No, I'm fine. Thank you for having me on your podcast. We appreciate it very much. So we, we go, some of our sources that we use for uh, doing our notes and our questions is uh, Wikipedia. So the never trusting, not always reliable Wikipedia says you were trained by your father, Steve Wright, who was also a pro wrestler himself. Uh, and you made your debut in Germany in 1991 at 16 years of age. Were you a wrestling fan growing up and who were your inspirations? I come from one of the uh, few European wrestling families. My dad, Steve Wright, he was my trainer and he also was 26 years active as a pro wrestler. He traveled all over the world. He wrestled for New Japan, for the big companies in Mexico. He wrestled for Stu Hart promotion in Canada. He wrestled for Vern Gagne uh, in the States when they still had the territories. And he wrestled all over Europe and many other places. He's a 16-time middleweight world champion, CWA. He's a European world champion multiple times and a tag team European champion multiple times. And he holds a lot of many, many more titles. And um, yeah, I I grew up on the road. I don't have to tell you what that means, but, uh, you know, I traveled in the caravan. We stayed beside the tent or the arena. And uh, yeah, the best place for me as a kid was the ring, the best, the best playground. And um, yeah, you know, every morning I said, hey, come on, dad, let's go to the ring. And before even that, he took me as a baby to the ring. I think I, I did my first crossbody at the age of three. So <laughs> yeah, he was my trainer and I'm very grateful for that. And um, also my uncle Bernard Wright, he also traveled the world. He was a very uh, successful wrestler and the uh, foster father of my father, Mr. Ted Badley, he was also a wrestler, a promoter, owner of a wrestling school. 
and he trained also uh, the WWE or the, at that time the WWF tag team uh, champions, uh, the British Bulldogs. So in your travels, though, as you're growing up, I mean, you must have met people, obviously, like Dynamite Kid and Steve Regal and Robbie Brookside. And obviously, you just said Ted Bentley. What was that like? I mean, did you meet the Dynamite Kid when you were younger and did you know him? Yeah, I mean, I was a very small kid, like six, eight years old, you know, and at that time you you don't realize who all the guys, uh, what, what status they have and, you know, how famous they are, whatever. It's just, you know, I grew up in the business and for me, it was never like the people I met, they were something special or they were stars because I was used to it, you know, I mean, right. so... Looking back now, I know it was very special, but at that time, you as a young child, you don't realize that. So you signed a contract with WCW in 1994, and they sent you to the power plant. Could you give us some details on the experience of getting uh, notified by WCW and what it was like at the power plant training facility? Well, like John said before, I was 16 years old when I had my first professional wrestling match. Before that, you know, I was training with my dad many, many years. Also, I did a lot of amateur wrestling and I did a lot of weightlifting competition and, and uh, competition and swimming and stuff like that. And because I was so young, I was uh, one of the youngest wrestlers uh, worldwide and the youngest in uh, in Germany. I got a lot of media attention. I was invited to a lot of lot of big tier talk shows on TV and stuff like that. And uh, at the age of 18, I was invited to a show which was called Schreinemarkers Live. And uh, they had the topic wrestling, pro wrestling. And uh, they invited also Johnny B. Bad and Sting and the tour manager uh, of WCW because they had a German tour going at, on at that moment. And um, after the show, they, they invited me to that show in Munich. And my dad, being a veteran, he said, hey, kid, listen, you never know what's going to happen. Take your wrestling gear with you. Of course, I did. And so to say, on that night, somebody of the WCW guys was hurt. And Ric Flair, which was the booker at that time, came up to me and said, hey, do you want to take that spot? Um, of course, I did. And funny thing, the first match, which was my tryout for WCW, I was against Paul Roma, and it was a really good match. And um, they liked it. And the second night, I wrestled a guy named Frank Anderson, which was a Olympic-style wrestling guy. And apparently, they liked that match even more because this guy wasn't that experienced in that in pro wrestling, and it was a good match. So Flair asked me if I wanted to finish the tour with them, which I did. And uh, at the end. They had a surprise for me. Uh, um, Eric Bischoff flew in and they asked me if I would like to come to WCW. They offered me a contract. And um, yeah, I had to decide at the age of 18 if I'm going to move to a different country, which of course I did. You know, it's a, it's a chance of a lifetime. And um, I always said to my dad when I was a little child, hey, one day I'm going to go to the States and I'm going to wrestle there. And uh, yeah, it was it was just great um, getting a chance like that, and I'm very grateful for this chance because it was one of my best times of my life uh, living and wrestling in the states. Now, did you grow up learning English as well, or did you have to learn it kind of on the fly on your way here? 
Well, you know, in, in our school system, everybody learns English. But I was, so to say, a pretty lazy bugger. And, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I didn't see why I should learn English that good. I mean, I, I could speak English uh, pretty well because, you know, playing with all the, the kids from the other wrestlers. But, you know, it wasn't that good because at home I refused to talk uh, English. Um, you sound like me now. <laughs> yeah, I, I refuse to talk English. I, we just talk German. And um, it was just easy, the easier way, you know, for me, because living in Germany, it's, you know, it's the easiest, easier language to speak. But um, when I came to the States, you know, I had no other choice because that the language is English over there. And, um, you know, watching TV and being around all the time, English talking people, uh, you you pick it up real fast, you know. And, and you had to be able to speak to the wrestlers you're in the ring with to communicate, right? Not necessarily. If you know how to wrestle, you can do a match without talking, <laughs> but it's it helps, yeah. <laughs> well, I was in wrestling school, and the only way we learned was the talking in the ring. We didn't we didn't get to the point where we could, you know, do the other. So you learned you you learned how to call in a match, basically. Yeah, basically, yeah. But we didn't learn. Well, that's a, that's very important too. You know, at a certain point, you need to uh, know how to call in a match. You know, to be safe. But but you know, some sometimes uh, or nowadays, I see it a lot that people talk from A to Z everything. You know, they they, they don't and and you you really that's not how I understand wrestling, because if you plan everything ahead, you can react to the crowd. Yeah. You know, you, you're, and then if you, if you forget something, you get like really, you know, confused and, you know, fuck ups, you know, and stuff like that. So the best thing is to have a, a good, solid professional uh, uh, wrestling school, which teaches, teaches you to wrestle without talking. And then they learn how you do the calling and stuff like that. That's the best. Because then, then you can wrestle anywhere in the world with no problems. Just out of curiosity, when you were at the power plant, who were the trainers at the time? Uh, the head trainer was Jody Hamilton. Yeah, the assassin. Yeah, exactly. And uh, co-trainer was Bodily Parker. Mm -hmm. A very tough, tough guy. And... The reason why they put me in the wrestling school is not to uh, that I need to learn the wrestling. It's just uh, on the TV, you just have so many spots, you know, and there was no free spot for me at that time and no storyline or whatever. And uh, that's basically like a parking lot and you don't get out of shape. You need to get, you know, you stay in shape and train and wait till your time hopefully comes soon, you know, or your chance. But it was a good time. I mean, I still picked up few, uh, a lot of new things. I mean, you, uh, you never, how you say in English? Um, you never know everything in wrestling. You always learn something new. And, you know, that, 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 was, a, that was the same in, in the power plant. I'm very thankful for that time also. They were very tough. I mean, they kicked your ass. They, they tried to break you. Right. See who stays and who goes, exactly. right? I mean, I saw a lot of people come and go there. You know, one of the things that nowadays we all know that like the Japanese style wrestling uh, is called strong style. They have a European uh, strong style and then they have the American wrestling. 
what's the difference between wrestling American style to the European style to the Japanese style? Nowadays, it's not, I mean, nowadays it's not that much of a difference anymore. I mean, back in the days when my dad wrestled, uh, there was a big difference because in, in the UK, they, they were very technical wrestling. In Germany, also then mixed with power wrestling. And uh, there was not a lot of entertainment, no promos, no light and music, uh, fancy stuff, you know, I mean, no storylines. Um, it was just a match. And uh, uh, Japanese style, of course, a strong style. It was the best place to wrestle for New Japan for me because I like that sportsmanship and all that, that tough stuff. But nowadays, there's really strong style and power move after power move and not selling, you know. I mean, it looks good, but you kill basically every uh, ring psychology because if if you get three German suplexes, a tombstone or whatever, and you stand up afterwards, then they always the, the audience expects that all the time. But at a, so, uh, some point you can't top that anymore and so it's a pretty hard style for the for the boys for the workers you know and uh but nowadays i i think everything changed when wcw started and they brought in all kind of wrestler from from all kind of countries you know like regal after me i uh, after regal i came it was a european style then they brought in finley you know, and Brookside and stuff like that. And um, they had Eddie Guerrero, Chavo Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, Conan. They brought the Mexican style. Then had Ultimate Dragon and all, you know, they, they brought every guys, all the guys from all over the world. And um, the, the people or the, the, the workers pick up stuff from the other workers. Like when I started, the only guy who th uh, threw um, European uppercuts was Regal and I. Then later on, Eddie came after me. He threw them. And then you saw WWE suddenly all kind of guys, Randy Orton throwing uppercut and stuff like that. You know, it's like it develops. The business develops, you know? Right. So they finally get you on TV on September 3rd against Brady Boone. And you debut as Das Wunderkind, Alex Wright, with uh, techno music and dancing what was the creative process of your character? Who came up with that, the idea of the dancing Das Wunderkinds? Okay, the dancing, um, the connections, or, or how you say, the dancing and the wrestling, that wasn't the plan. The, the, I, in Germany, when I was like 16, 17, techno was very big. You know, it really started at that time. In any dance clubs you went, they were like, techno parties okay in germany with 18 you're an adult so you start going in dance clubs at the age of 14 15 you know and so you know i i was right in that time when techno was really big and i i you know i i, I trained that dance in a lot of dance clubs here over in germany and when i went to the states that was like a an accident would happen there after a show I went with some WCW officials in a dance club and I started dancing that way to, to a techno music. And I said, Hey, what's that? That's interesting. That, that's, that's uh, very uh, unique. 
um, why don't you do that in the ring? And I said, really? I don't know. You know, I don't want to do that in the ring. And they said, no, it's not a question. If you want to do, you have to do it now. So basically, <laughs> being a pro, being 18 years old, you know, and my my father always said, you need to have respect for the uh, veterans. Um, I did what the office said, and it stuck to me. It has two sides that it's a two-sided coin because um, on one hand, people still remember me after 20 years being off TV. Mm -hmm. and uh, But on the other hand, I had a hard time uh, by the, by the uh, hardcore fans that they looked past my dancing and, and, and appreciate my wrestling abilities. You know, it was a tough time to get over there. It says here from your Wikipedia, as we know, it's always reliable, right? Uh, right. You, had your, you had your first major feud with a guy named Jean-Paul Levesque, who we all yeah, now know as Triple H, the COO of WWE. When you were in the ring with him, did you feel that he was going to be what he became? Was there was any, was anything special that clicked well, in that match? He, he was definitely a, a great worker. So uh, I had fun working him. And uh, of course, um, he had the chance uh, to become that, what, what, what he is now. But there were a lot of other great workers, you know. So you, he had luck, you know. Um, luck and love. So WCW puts you on a, a pretty good undefeated streak for a pretty pretty good amount of time they push you you get wins over bob eaton steve austin disco inferno paul roma there was a little incident with pretty paul roma where he didn't like the fact of putting you over and he would stiff you with some real punches and paul ended up getting terminated by the company what do you remember about this is this something that that affected you in any way well it definitely affected me it was a, a experience at my young age you know First of all, he didn't stiff me in the match. He just didn't sell my stuff. Okay. Okay. This, because if he were, would have really hurt me in the match, I would hurt him back, you know, but that didn't happen. <laughs> so good. Um, because I did a lot of uh, tournaments in amateur wrestling. You know, I, I'm a seven country champion, amateur, amateur wrestling. I could, uh, you know, self-defense myself or how you say, you know. You could hold it out. Yeah. I'm sorry sometimes for my for my language, but I haven't talked English for a long time. So sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm missing the words sometimes. But um, oh, no, uh, actually, I was surprised at that pay-per-view that it went down like that, the match, because um, till that point, I got really good uh, along with Paul. And like I mentioned before, my first match with Paul was in WCW, and it was a really good match. The thing was, he... He didn't like what the office told him to do. And um, he just switched around the match without telling me, basically, <laughs> obviously. And he didn't, you know, work with me. He didn't sell my stuff. And uh, which was very bad because I know we could have had a very good match. But the big experience after it was that the office came to me and said, hey, what happened, kid? You know, and I said, well, he didn't want to work with me. And they said, well, if that happens again, you, you, you know, you have to look out for yourself and you have to make yourself good. And I said, yeah, but he's the veteran. I didn't want to be disrespective. And, you know, I was afraid to lose my job if I 
I mean, 18 years old, you don't want to, you know, lose your position in a big company like that. I mean, it's a chance of a lifetime. And they said, no, kid, if, if that happens, you need to watch out for yourself and you have to look good because we want to push you. So, and um, basically um, from that moment on, I took care of myself in the ring. You became a heel, defeated Chris Jericho and uh, for the WCW Cruiserweight title, July 28th, 1997 on Monday Nitro. You dropped it back to him August 16th edition of the WCW Saturday night. Uh, five days later, you defeated the Ultimo Dragon for the WCW World Television ch- title. And then uh, August 21st, Clash of the Champions 35, you successfully defending it after that on Nitro against Lord Steven Regal. Fans know him as General Manager William Regal now. But out of those two championship reigns, what was more special to you? I'm assuming the TV title because of the lineage and the reign lasted longer. Um, but what was it like to get in the ring with Steve Regal? Well, I was in the ring with Steve Regal in Europe also already. Okay. So I knew, I, I knew him from then. And great guy. And, uh, um, you know, I, I like his style, obviously, because European style. And so it was uh, always fun to work with him. Uh, great the best facial expressions i've ever seen of anybody exactly i mean he, <laughs> he has a great mind for wrestling and uh no actually it's really fun to work with him in the ring and um about the titles huh i probably disappoint all the fans or listener out there if i say that now but since i grew up in the business it wasn't never about a title for me it, it always was just being in the ring in front of audience and wrestle you know it doesn't matter if if i had a belt or not of course it's nice to have a belt but it's just you know it always was just a a letter with a medal on it (laughs) it's not for me you know of course you can say it's it's rewarding a reward from the company saying hey you do a good job we trust you you represent the company and stuff like that of course i was very grateful for that but on the other hand i just it didn't matter to me how my performance was because I always wanted to give 100% and I always want to have a great match for the audience. So that's the most important thing for me, stepping in the ring in front of our audience, make them happy. Before we get into the next segment, all right, I just got to say you had mentioned earlier, people still remember you for your dancing, right? Well, my brother and I, uh, we were at an amusement park and, you know, amusement park, you never know who's a wrestling fan, workers and such. But they were doing like a uh, like a techno, I don't know, it was like a funky techno dance competition. And we got the idea to do, well, you were in a tag team with Disco at the time. And so he would start dancing like you were. And then okay. I'd, I'd jump in front of him and I'd start doing the Disco. <laughs> great. <laughs> we started doing your shtick and people thought it was great. One guy was like, are you, are you guys like really beefing? Like, no, we're brothers. We're just having a good time. <laughs> so we had to explain great, to great. him about, about you, but then you were kept off of uh, TV for a while. So before we talk about the debut of Berlin, let's talk about why were you taken off TV in 1999? Okay. Well, um, it, they have not, they did not take me off TV. Basically I took myself off TV you know, I, I was I had a really good run. I had Deborah McMichael on my side as a manager. They wanted to push me for the U.S. title as the youngest WCW wrestler ever, 
And of course, I didn't want to lose that storyline. And I had a lot of concussions prior to that. And I kept wrestling with the concussions. What happened is my brain swelled up and the brain pressure was getting higher and higher. And I wrestled the pay-per-view and then I wrestled Nitro. I was 22 years old, just got married three days before, bought a house three days before. I did Nitro and I wrestled Prince IK and he gave me an Inzugiri kick to my head. And then my blood vessel popped in my head. And, you know, my vision went closely to, to zero. I finished the match half blind, basically. And I while I was walking through the curtain backstage, I was totally blind. My God. Yeah. Wow. That's, yeah. And the hardest thing I had to do was calling my wife and said, hey, listen, I'm blind and I don't know what's going to happen now. And um, yeah, that was the reason why I was kept off TV for a long time. Because once I, I, I recovered from the injury, most of the doctors said, hey, you're not allowed to step in the ring anymore because you can die. So WCW said, no, we don't let you in the ring anymore. And basically what I had to do is I, I had to find a doctor which said, hey, I give you the release. So it's okay to step in the ring. Uh, I found one after running around to, I don't know how many doctors. And uh, then I had to sign a, 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 how you say, a waiver or a release from WCW that I know it's my responsibility and I can die and I can die. I was like a 30 pages thick. You can die. You can die. You can. <laughs> I, I didn't even read it. I just signed it, you know, and that was it. And uh, from that moment, I had many more nice, perfect uh, years in the uh, sport of pro wrestling. So that was the reason why I was kept off for a long time. And during that time, while I was injured, I, I said, Man, that's the perfect chance when I come back to do totally to to do totally different stuff. I wanted to go away from that pretty boy image, which I had at that moment, and you know I came up with that old style um, gothic vampire gimmick. Yeah, and that was my idea, and from my wife, we designed it, we did everything about it. Um, and then one day I just walked into the WCW office and cut a promo on the WCW officials and they didn't even know how to react to me because they didn't recognize me because it was such a drastic change and <laughs> DDP was so so uh, happy about this gimmick and Dusty Rhodes that they said, hey, that, that's a great idea. We're going to do this. I remember during one of your first promos, Gene Oakland kind of ruined the mystique by saying, well, you we know we, you wrestled here before. Was that something he was supposed to do? Or do you remember? I don't that? know. I don't know. I, I think that this, this, I mean, the debut of Berlin was one of the best debuts in a long time. A lot of people said at, at that time. Um, but the thing, what they did wrong, in my opinion, was, they should have kept my name Alex Wright and they should made a storyline why I changed. So it's, so it's realistic and the people can follow that transition instead of saying, Oh, this is a new guy or whatever, or like, you know, first do it like that way. As soon as I take my glass, sunglasses off, everybody knew it was Alex Wright anyway. And, <laughs> you know, and that's the reason why Gene probably said that because he didn't want to, 
stand in front of a camera like an idiot, <laughs> you know, because yeah, that was just not smart doing it that way. The gimmick had a lot of potential, but it certainly did. It was just unfortunate that that was kind of heading towards the tail end of WCW and they were doing a lot of things wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Yes. Yeah. The management in WCW was not, uh, not well in the end there. So they put you in as Berlin. They, they uh, had you uh, like a bodyguard, uh, the wall. How is, how is the wall to work with? I mean, did you know him very well at all, or just from the power plant? Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say very well, but I, I, he was a re- really good guy, really nice guy, um, polite guy, friendly. And at first, when he j- joined WCW, he traveled with me the first one or two months, mm-hmm. and I get I got to know him a little bit. And like I said, he was a really nice guy. And then he started traveling with other people and um but anyway working him was uh very easy i mean he, he was still green a little bit in my opinion he, he needed to learn a little bit more uh, especially to protect himself better i mean <laughs> I, I did a, a dive across body from the top corner outside on him and he took a bump on on the concrete just like in the ring oh. and his his head bounced on the concrete oh. you know instead of doing the slowly fall you know to the conc- concrete and that's what that's just stuff which you know can kill kill your uh, career in a moment mm-hmm. not knowing that you know i want to talk about the buff bagwell incident but before we do there is something that i do want to talk to the audience about John and I are two nobodies that you've never heard of. But I want to be somebody. Well, we are gaining steam. Okay. Why don't you tell them how? Well, we signed up with Buzzsprout. With Buzzsprout, you can create your own podcast. And that means you, everybody, anybody can do a podcast. All you need is a decent microphone, a computer, and a quiet room. I use an MSI Aegis computer with a K-Fine K690 microphone. All you need is an idea. Anytime I ever had a question, I always emailed and they always got back to me within the hour. Their amazing customer service will guide you through every step of the way. Whether you don't know the difference between a wrist lock and a wrist watch, or you don't know the difference between a web browser and a web page like Johnny O over here, Buzzsprout will help you. With Buzzsprout, we were able to get our show on all the major podcast networks, including the one you're listening to right now. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners. You'll get a great looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop into other websites, detailed analytics to see how people are listening and tools to promote your episodes and much, much more. And if you follow the link in the show notes, it lets Buzzsprout know that we sent you. So that will get you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan. But seriously guys, the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you and us succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. Go to www.buzzsprout.com to learn more. Now let's talk about the incident with Buff Bagwell at Fall Brawl. You guys were supposed to have a match. Allegedly, he didn't want to put you over, and they replaced him with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And then for some reason, he refused to sell any of your offense. So what happened there? Is that something you feel comfortable talking about? Do you want to talk about that? That's fine. I mean, 
it's on YouTube anyway. So fuck. No, the, the, the thing is, the thing till that point, I always got along very good with Hacksaw. And even afterwards, there's, you know, uh, I, I still have a much respect for that guy. Um, the thing is, that was the time of WCW where everybody was afraid of their job and their position because the management changed around. Nobody knew who's going to be the boss next week or next day or whatever, you know, and you had certain guys that told Hacksaw this, and then you had certain guys they told in the totally different difference. And he basically probably thought the best thing is to protect his gimmick in that way he did which of course was not good for the fans, not good for the business and not good for the match. But um, yeah, as a, that was, yeah, I would say one of my not very favorite experiences in pro wrestling. Was that when uh, Vince Russo was put in charge? That was about the time, yeah. I mean, Vince, Vince Russo should never be a, a boss or a booker or anything like that. Not not in WCW. I mean, he did a good job in in WWE, but not in WCW. And what about Buff Bagwell? Was there any bad blood between the two of you? No, it, it you know it's it, I did not took that personally because me and Bagwell were friends, and um, it, that's just business. You know, he he thought this not they they he thought probably that um, it wouldn't help him in his career or would damage somewhere his career. And he decided to say no because he was not happy with the status or whatever. So that's, that's fine with me. You know, better you say no, than have a match and it turns out to be a shitty match. Like with Saxo, you know, that's right. not good for anybody. Well then eventually your bodyguard turns on you and you guys enter a program but suddenly you disappear off a of television. Was that another injury? What happened there? Well, the, the, the thing is, um, when I went to the States at the age of 18, I, I was very quiet and uh, respectful. And um, my experience was that to get taken serious at the age of 18 or at the age of 20, you need to speak up before yourself, still in, a, in, a, in, in uh, being respectful, but you have to speak up for yourself. And I developed a kind of little bit of a hothead. So I didn't care anymore who stands in front of me. And I just spoke what was on my mind. And that was not very good sometimes, you know, and as a penalty or they put me on the side. <laughs> and, and is that when they decided to take the Berlin gimmick away? Because you, you came back as just Alex Wright. Yeah. Know? Well, that was when Vince Russo came in, in the, in the company. And I, my, in my opinion, or I, I just guessed that uh, the reason why they canceled that gimmick was because it was under the, under the regime of Bischoff, he brought it in the company and this gimmick really worked very well. I mean, as soon as I did Berlin, I mean, there were huge reactions and it was really over at that moment. And for some reason, uh, Vince Russo didn't like that, that there was an idea still working from Bischoff, I guess. 
We had Sonny Ono on a few weeks ago, and he alleges that Vince Russo stated he no longer wanted foreign talent and world championship wrestling at that time. I believe if you look up the clip, he says something to the akin of, if you want Lucha Libre, go to Mexico. If you want Strong Style, go to Japan. Of course, I'm paraphrasing, but do you think that had anything to do with the decision? Who said that? Vince Russo? Yeah, Vince Russo. He got sued by Sonny Ono, and, and Sonny won. Oh, really? Yeah. Maybe I should do that, too. Thank you. Thank you, Sonny. <laughs> Might be a little late on that lawsuit. <laughs> no, uh, no I, I, I don't know. Um, that's the first time I hear that. But, um, I mean, it could be true. But uh, I, I just I didn't get along with Vince Russo because, you know, he came came to WCW and he tried to tell the workers everything you guys do is the shits and I know it better but he never did a match by himself yeah you know so so he had no experience he had no you know how 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 could he tell how what works and what didn't work I mean if you tell the guys hey you're not allowed to take a rest hold you know it's it's you know it pissed a lot of guys off that's kind of I'm sure you're talking about a guy who put himself over as champion. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, uh, I mean, had- I mean, you know, I don't want to say that he did it on purpose that, that he damaged WCW or whatever. I mean, I'm sure he, he thought he's, he's doing it the right way, but he totally forgot at that time, the audience was WCW audience. It was not a WWE audience, a totally different product, you know? So kind of trash storylines worked not in WCW. They 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 liked more the cruiserweight, the the, the tough uh, storylines and stuff like that. It was a different crowd, you know, and he changed mm-hmm. that. You and Disco Inferno eventually win the tag team titles as a tag team called Boogie Knights. Yep. You uh, won them from Natural Born Thrillers, Sean O'Hare and Mark Jindrak, uh, yeah. at the Millennium Germany. That was what, 2000, 2001? Now I feel really old. Thank you, yeah, John. I feel old. <laughs> <laughs> You're not too much higher than I am. I'm 41, so not too much. <laughs> Wait till you're 46, believe me. You will talk differently. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you won the titles. Um, Disco ends up getting injured, injured, and you and Elix Skipper, the substitute for Disco, lost the title to Chuck Palumbo and Sean Stasiak. It just doesn't seem like you can catch a break, man. It seems like when you win a title, it seems like you just they you just something always ends up happening, you know, or you don't have it that long. So how did that title win feel in Germany? Well, in Germany, it was a great moment for me because the WCW weren't that often in Germany. And it's always nice to wrestle in front of your home crowd and uh, win a title. Plus, you know, uh, so that was a good moment, really good moment. But like, like I said before, it was never about titles in, in my career. I, I I always just wanted to give my best and wrestle in front of a crowd and uh, have fun, and that's the most important thing. So I, I I wasn't upset when when they when I lost the belt again. So plus it was really a hassle with the 
with the tag team belts. You know, going, you're traveling a lot on the airports every time. Beep, 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 security, you know, you had to open your bag and then, you know, all the people came, oh, can we get your autograph and shit? And I, I had to plan my traveling plus an hour earlier being at the airport just to compensate you know, the way through the security. So uh from that, wear the bell around their waist and take pictures with you. Yeah. So from that point on, I, I just was happy to lose the bells again. <laughs> <laughs> so the day comes where Vince McMahon buys up WCW. And hold, hold on for a sec. Just yep. I just want to make a point of, of saying that here, but I'm still very, very thankful and grateful that WCW gave me the chance to wrestle for this company experience that what I did in that company travel all over the world, you know, and uh, plus giving me the bells. I mean, it's like I said before, it's still a, a big reward for my, for me, you know, but it, it was not for me about it. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, yes, I mean, it wasn't about it was the never my attention, but it, it's, it's nice to have, you know, yeah. you're, so, pre you're appreciative. Yes, exactly. Yes. We're getting into the part where WWE buys WCW and you have a, obviously a contract with Time Warner, which means your contact wasn't bought out. You didn't come over to WWE. Was there ever any talk with them or any plans to wrestle for them ever? Well, at that point, right at the beginning, they tried to buy out my contract, but the offer was just not um, a good offer. You know, I would have lost a lot of money. What about after uh, the contract expired? Like any interest? Pardon me? Like after, after the contract expired? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, well that was uh, the thing was at the point I was like 350 days on the road. Sometimes I did seven matches a day. And I was really, and I was from the moment they signed me till to the end, till, till WCW was sold, I was straight with the company. I never had a really break, you know, and I, um, I just was totally burned out. Mentally, physically, you know, I was just really burned out. And uh, I said, well, I need to go back to the roots. I have to go move back to Germany, uh, which I which I did uh, because all my family was living there. And um, at that time, WWE contacted me twice and asked me if, if you know, if I want to join them. And I, I, I was very grateful and thankful and very honored. But I, I, I said to them, Listen, if I can't give 100% for you as a promoter, for all the fans out there and for myself, I do not want to step in the ring at the moment. So I told them twice, no, I, I can't. I assume they didn't try to contact you after that? Well, if you say twice no to right. WWE, then you have to contact them again. <laughs> right, 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 right. You know, of course, I, re I, I regret that many times, but... You have to listen to your body. I didn't want to end up as so much my other colleagues. So I said, hey, I, I need to have a break. But you did make it down to the Performance Center a few years ago. How did that come to pass? What were the events leading up to that? What was the experience like? Well, the, you know, I have my own wrestling school in Germany. And I'm I'm booked for, for a year ahead. And uh, um, I, I work very closely with WWE um, in looking for new talents basically an unofficial scout, so to say. And um, yeah, I I had a lot of, uh, of my own students at the WWE tryouts. Uh, one student made it over there is Fabian Eichner, NXT. Oh, that's, a student, that's yeah. my student. 
many others uh, became uh, offers and um, then they said hey listen why don't you come over and you know be a guest trainer at a performance center you know and that was a very nice offer and uh, i miss the states anyway you know i miss the country i miss the people the lifestyle <laughs> <laughs> right. So I said, "Hey, that, that, that's that's uh, that's nice. Um, plus, it's really also a reward being a guest trainer for the biggest uh, wrestling company in the world." WWE or AEW would call you right now. Would you be ready to go? Would you be willing to go? Okay, I would be willing to go definitely, and I would be ready to go. Of course, yes. There's no uh, doubt in my mind I, that I could still have a few more matches. Yeah, I would love to see it. Yeah, I would. Maybe we can make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe somebody would be listening and say, hey, wait a minute. Alex Wright, I remember him. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> no, um, yeah, wrestling is in my blood and uh, I love wrestling. I always been around wrestling, you know, after my active career, which I never officially retired. I, it just happened. Life happens, you know. I I started my own wrestling school. I started my own company. I, I had as the first German company. I had three TV deals over here. So I was pretty busy, you know, and I didn't want to disappoint all the my my students and the wrestlers over here if um, if I just went away again into the States, you know. So that was the main main reason why I didn't came back so when far. When was your last wrestling match? Uh, in front of a crowd or a yeah, in, front of a, in front of a crowd oh that's that's a long time really? i would say phew, 10 years oh wow yeah yeah um, that, that that wouldn't be the problem believe me <laughs> so before we get to the last part of this which is the fun part we call it we love to hear stories about ribs and jokes practical jokes that wrestlers play on each other do you have any uh, stories for uh, like ribbing stories? Well, I have many stories, but the thing is, what's the age? Uh... Oh, it's it's. Don't worry. <laughs> don't worry don't, about that. Don't, do not worry. Uh, we we have a we have an explicit content warning yeah. on our uh, podcast. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just no, no uh, nothing raunchy though. Nothing too raunchy. Okay, no. I did, they. I mean the. The funny rips are always those rips which uh, are played to guys you like, and the bad rips are played to the guys you don't like. And um, a funny road story um, is when I came to the States, like I said before, 18 years old, you know, very quiet, very respectful, first time on the road. Uh, I traveled with uh, Johnny B. Bad, which I had, I have to thank for him uh, a lot because he he helped me a lot, you know, to, to was traveling and getting apartments, house and stuff like that. I mean, he's a great guy. And he, he was the guy who said, Hey, listen, why don't you travel with me? Because at the age of 18, I wasn't allowed to get a rental car. And um, so he gave me a ride and and the other render car was, uh, I think, Bagwell and Sting. And they stopped at the gas station. And all, you know, Sting, Bagwell, and Johnny all went inside and he came out with some bags. Okay. I, I didn't think of anything, you know, special or whatever. So we, we drove through the, uh, through the city and suddenly Bagwell and Sting pulled aside rolled down the window and then the next thing I saw were just 
milk flying on our car and eggs flying on our car and all kinds of stuff. And I, I was shocked. I said, Johnny, what are they doing? And, and he said, everything okay. And he pointed at the, at the bag beside me and he said, take out the eggs. <laughs> and, then we had, and they they had like a little, a little fight going on during, while they were driving through the city, you know, and I was like, wow, crazy guys, you know. Uh, that was a very very memorable uh, experience for me as a young kid yeah we'll have to ask mark when we have him on about that yeah i don't know if he i don't know if he even can remember that (laughs) it's a long time ago you'd be surprised though sometimes uh, you like you bring something up we've had guests say oh if you talk to so-and-so and they they remember it but they remember it different so um so we get to this part we call it rapid fire smash Johnny, hit him with the deets. All right. So I'm going to ask you a few questions that are silly, and you just answer however you want. Rapid fire smash. All right. Favorite match? <laughs> That's a lot, a lot of times fans ask me that question. What's your favorite match? What's your favorite opponent? All stuff like that. It's very. It would be unfair to all the great workers I worked or I had matches with because um, – I had great matches with Eddie, with Dean, with Jericho, Kidman, you know, all those guys. So I really can't tell. All right. It's probably the similar thing, a favorite opponent. Come on, John. It's my turn to ask. And I wanted to ask him like this. Very good. It's so bad. I, I need to practice more. Very good. Soll ich dann auch in Deutsch antworten? Also, mein Lieblingsgegner war... <laughs> what did you say? Um, I believe he said, let me answer in German who my favorite opponent is. Uh, no, it's, it's the same like before. I, I, I like the cruiserweight style because it was the technical style. So all guys who worked that style, I really enjoyed. But also I liked to work Ric Flair or Aaron Anderson because it was like a walk in the park. You know, it were, they are so, so great workers and entertainers. So um, I, I can't say any favorite uh, worker I had. Okay. What about the worst match you ever had? Well, we had we have Haxor, right? And we had uh, Paul Roma. I think those two are really bad matches. And uh, then I had one more match, but I, I don't know the, the, the opponent's name anymore. I was like in a, in a taping, Saturday night taping, because that guy won- didn't want to work with me either so all right um what is your favorite pizza okay is it allowed to say uh, um a company's name or how how, how yeah, yeah. Or, or favorite pizza topping like what kind of pizza is your favorite or and you can do well both. i really enjoyed uh papa how is it papa john's papa, papa john's, john's yeah yeah great stuff i mean the first thing when i went over there as a guest trainer i bought <laughs> A pizza I hadn't had in 10 or 15 years. Um, because the thing was, I really kept my diet really strict when I was in WCW. I mean, I had like 8% body fat, which meant no fat at all. And when I had a cheat day, like one t- once a month, then I ate pizza. How about yours? Does pineapple belong on pizza? Yes. Oh no! <laughs> hey, that's a that's a German thing. You don't you don't understand. <laughs> uh, but well, I like sausage and and uh, all kind of stuff on pizza, not just uh, that's you know. 
Meine Familie kommt auf Italien. Oh, very Federico. good. Okay, where at? So, my my taste for pizza, there's no there's no pineapple for me. <laughs> but I like it. Welches ist das beste deutsche Restaurant in den USA? The best German restaurant in, in the USA? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure you've been to USA uh, uh, German restaurants in the USA, right? No. No, I haven't. You haven't no, yeah. I never had uh, found one. Do, do you do you guys know any? Yeah, yeah there's a yeah, uh, place I eat at uh, a lot. It's called uh, the Munich House. Really? Yeah. Okay. They serve schnitzel, spitzel, all kinds of stuff. Klöse. Um, the round big potato balls. No, they don't serve those. No? It's it's mostly schnitzel, uh, spitzel. They have um, like homemade kartoffel chips. Okay. Um, stuff like that. They make. I tell own. you what, it's a fake. <laughs> well, no, the, the 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 old man that works there is definitely German. He, okay. speaks, he speaks it very fluently. Maybe um, he's Austrian. <laughs> because Nintel is Austrian. Österreich. We're up in Springfield, Mass, by the way, so it's not that far away from us, that restaurant. It's in Jacoby. It's down the Jacobi, road. Yeah. I, I work right across the street from it. I eat there all the time. In fact, I had Ram Schnitzel for lunch uh, like a week ago. Good stuff. Good so, stuff. what's your favorite food? Pizza. Pizza. Okay. <laughs> I love pizza. Yeah. But do you like steak or? Do you, I mean, do you, are yeah. You I, I I really enjoyed uh, um, Outback. You know, in the states, mm-hmm. I liked Outback or um, where did I eat? Um, well, Longhorn te- Steakhouse, Texas Longhorn. Yeah. Texas yeah. Exactly. Stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I really enjoyed. If you were to say you had a favorite spot in the United States, like a place to visit, what would it be? I know it's not Springfield, hey, Mass. This is nobody's no, favorite. Place. But, but you know what? The States is a really great country, and it has so many different areas and different nice places. You know, um, I like Florida. I like California. I like North Carolina, South Carolina. I mean, I, I, all those places. I, I like uh, Colorado. Washington, I even liked um, Portland and stuff. So. Who is the best European wrestler of all time? You can probably even say three or four of them. You don't have to just name one of them, but who do you think are the best European wrestlers? Well, first of all, of course, my dad, I would say. <laughs> and um, after that, uh, it depended in what, what um, time, you know. I mean, Finley is a great worker. Regal is a great worker. Billy Robinson, you know. I mean, Dynamite. British Bulldogs, you know, many, many good wrestlers. I read something about Dave Fit Finley uh, ending the career of your father. Is that true? Like a storyline wise or? That, that was, uh, yeah, he, it happened in a, in a match that his, uh, his knee got injured. Yes. Yeah. Do you watch the current product? No. Not because, at all? Like not even no. looking at it? No, because the thing is, they put they produce so much wrestling hours at the moment. You you're not able to follow everything. Mm-hmm. It's just too much. Plus, you know, it's I mean, pure shiza. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of a lot of people say that. I, I I just you know, since I don't watch it, I I can't say anything about it. But I hear it a lot of times now lately that the, the storylines are not very well done and stuff like that. I don't know. They they had that. 
a few years ago was the same time, right? They uh, like four years ago was really bad at that time also. Yeah. And um, at that time, the only thing I realized was that they don't had any individual gimmicks anymore. It was everybody was in short trunks, body build, you know. Everyone looked like John Cena. Everyone. Yeah, exactly. It was nothing like- special. Not not in the like in the old days where you had. Nasty boys, rogue warriors, right. you know, all kind of different kind of bodies and looks and, you know, styles. And, and I've noticed, too, that um, they just recycle old gimmicks now. They don't even give them new ones. Well, maybe I have a chance coming back. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> it's your time, man. It's your time. Yeah. Say, I want to dance my way to the ring. Um, <laughs> hey, if, if they pay me, I do it. <laughs> all right. One final question. We all want to know it. Wie ist mein Deutsch? Pardon me? <laughs> no, I got No, it's very good. Yeah. Just practice a little bit more. The next time we do the interview, we do it in German. Yeah. <laughs> That's my dream, man. I've been working on it for five years now, and it's not getting any easier. Well, German is a very tough language to learn. Yeah, it is. What's, yeah. The, what's, the, what's the idiom? Deutsche Sprache, Schwiersprache? Exactly. Yeah, it's it's really like that. A lot of a lot of my colleagues uh, used to say, "Hey, are you arguing with your wife?" And I said, "No, we're just talking normally <laughs> because it's it's so listen sounds so like a tough language." You know, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do sound. They they always say uh, you sound angry when you're speaking German, but yeah, you say yeah, the nicest yeah. thing. Ich liebe dich. It still sounds yeah, exactly. You know? exactly yeah. Do you do appearances at all? Like uh, if someone in the United States uh, wanted you for autograph signing, obviously they'd have to pay your airfare and hotel, but do you, uh, do you do appearances of any kind? Yeah, of course. It always depends on the offer, of course, because I always have to look if, if the offer is compensating at least the money I make with my wrestling school, you know, because I have to get a, a trainer for the time I'm away and stuff like that. But no, any any chance I get to to travel to the states, you know, I'm I'm happy. You know, I like I said before, I, I really miss uh, miss uh, the country and the people, and uh, it was the greatest uh, time of my life I had over there. Well, I need a German teacher, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I'm a very tough teacher. Believe me, ask my students. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. This has been a great interview. I had a lot of fun with Das Wunderkind. Yeah, great guest. We really appreciate this. Um, uh, I would love to have you on again. Yeah, uh, you miss the states, and uh, we miss you, brother. It was uh, you had a great wrestling career. I used to love watching you on WCW. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, guys. If you happen to live in Europe and you think you've got the right stuff, go on to prowrestlingschool.de to check out Alex Wright's wrestling school. That's prowrestlingschool.de. The description will be in the bio. Thank you for your time, sir. As they say, I believe since we're not in person, it's Auf Wiederhört, correct? Exactly. You're doing very well. Thank you so much, Alex. You've been a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. It was really fun. Well, as they say, im Deutschland, end is good, alles gut. All's well that ends well. Vielen Dank, Alex Wright. Many thanks. John, why don't you hit him with the deets for the next program? Our next program was going to be a non-interview episode. We're going to be doing the greatest wrestlers of each decade, okay? And then, and kind of in the same show, we're going to be doing the greatest pay-per-views of all time. 
kind of or in the same show? In the same show or doing it or doing it. Okay. Okay. You got to be clear here because kind of means maybe. And uh, so definitely going to be the best pay-per-views and greatest wrestlers from each decade in our in our 40 years of living, right? Yes. All right. Yeah, we're not going to talk about the 50s, 60s, 70s, the 1800s. We're not going to talk about any of that. No, no, no. We're talking, we're starting around 1980. 1980, when wrestling was cool. Until next time, I'm Metal Ed. I'm Johnny O. Cheers, Anale. Don't go fussy, Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. Bye.